message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. Isn't it amazing what God can do when your own mind doesn't get in the way? Yes. We're in this series called One More. Can you all help me out and say one more? One more. Can you say it again? One more. one more. You know, your entire life is a series of one mores. And if you're anything like me, maybe you walked in the door and you said, you know what? One more church. And if this church didn't work out, maybe I'll never go again. Maybe you said one more pastor. I have been so hurt and wounded and abused by pastors. I'm just going to try one more pastor. Maybe you're in a relationship and, and it's not been going good. And you're saying, you know what? I'll try one more time. Life is a series of one mores. And in this message series that we've been going through, we're dealing with what one more looks like. We're looking at the life of this woman named Hannah. And, and Hannah was a fighter. Are there any fighters in the room? I'm talking fighters. You know, there's something inside of me. I try to smile so much during service, but that's not my natural disposition. I'm a fighter. I mean mug when I'm walking down the street. Strangers sometimes want to fight me just for looking at them, especially in New York City, right? But Hannah was a fighter. Hannah had been through some stuff. Hannah was infertile, and she had this rival wife who made fun of her for something that she didn't have any ability to control. And if you were raised like I was raised, maybe in poverty, you couldn't wear the nice clothes that everyone else wore to school. Maybe you got made, of, made, made fun of for something you couldn't control, but she was a fighter. And then she cries out to God, not this religious, pious prayer, but I'm talking one of those drunken prayers. One of those half lucid, crazy prayers. God, if you would look at my pain for a second and pay attention to me, I vow that I'll give you my firstborn into your service. And do you know that God responded from heaven and gave Hannah this baby? And she said, I'm going to name him Samuel. And there's such a significance in names. That name Samuel meant the Lord has heard. And if you're crying out, you know, some people tell me, I don't know how to pray, Pastor Mike. I'd pray a lot more if I knew how. Well, let me tell you how, you how you pray. Look at Hannah's life. You get so desperate that you cry out before God and any word will do because you've got to get out that emotion that's bottled up inside of you. And this is a church that's not so much into teaching you religious prayers, but teaching you drunken, honest, real prayers. Are there any prayer warriors in the house? Is there anyone here who's ever prayed an honest prayer? And you know, sometimes I think to myself when I'm in prayer, God, you can already read my mind, so can I just tell you straight what's on my mind? And, and God responds. He responds. He responded to Hannah. And we're in 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you want to turn your Bible with me, uh, if you download the V1 app, you can read the Bible. Your, your Bible can glow right there in your hand. And uh, if you've got a physical Bible, you can turn there with me. There's no shame in the table of contents. We're in the Old Testament, and we're in 1 Samuel. And so God responds to her. And, and you had this moment where it was just one more prayer. That was what we talked about last week. And we had people who pressed in for one more prayer. And that one more prayer will set you up for one more step. 
The title of my message today is One More Step. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, Before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. When Elkanah next took his family on their annual trip to Shiloh to worship God, offering sacrifices and keeping his vow, Hannah didn't go. She told her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll bring him I'll bring him myself and present him before God and that's where he'll stay for good and then Elkanah said to his wife do what you think is best stay home until you have weaned him yes let God complete what he has begun and the title of this message today is one more step why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say one more step turn to that person you ignored and just tell him one more step one more step. Why don't you stay a little bit longer and let God complete that which he started? How many of you know that you are going through a process right now? You've been going through a process, but I'm here to tell you, stay here until God has completed what he has started in you. See, I've had some one more steps in my life. I've had some times where it didn't seem like it was possible. I've got other church planners and pastors who are watching what's happening in this movie theater saying, oh, wow, isn't it amazing that your church is growing? And isn't it amazing that it seems like overnight all these doors are opening and V1 Church is continuing to grow? And I stopped one of them dead in his tracks. And I said, are you kidding me? This was 20 years in the making. I went through some wilderness experiences. I had a three-bedroom house with a half-acre backyard and a music venue down the street that I sold and closed the doors on and came to the most expensive region in the United States and said, God, you can do anything. Use me. I'll bring your light and the fire of your Holy Ghost to a whole bunch of crazy New Yorkers. But see, people often don't see the steps. They just see the result of the steps. Walking around with a physique like mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I worked out with Superman. I don't know if you guys know Superman goes to our church. Some of you know him. He's incognito sometimes, so I can't say his name. But I was working out with him, and he said, as a trainer, I can actually look at people's physique and reverse engineer their steps. I can tell you how they work out by the results that it produces in their physique. And there are people that are like, man, I wish I was blessed with your genetics. And that's an insult to those who are waking up at four in the morning and guzzling all kinds of protein and getting to the gym and being on the grind. It's an insult because they miss the journey and they're just looking at the product and they miss the process. There's somebody in this room going through a process. There's somebody in this room going through the process. See, Hannah prayed this drunken prayer. She was alone. Did you know that sometimes along the way in your process to becoming great and doing all that God's got for you that you're going to be alone? This is just 1 Samuel. She had a husband who said, honey, I know you're infertile and you can't have children, but aren't I enough for you? How many of you know that too much of something you don't want still is not enough? And then all of a sudden she shows up to her pastor named Eli. And really, he wasn't a good pastor. He was no Pastor Julie. You know, and, and, he, and he said, oh, God, bless your heart and try to console her. And as she was praying, he literally said, I think she's drunk the way she's praying. No emotional quotient. No ability to see what was actually happening in her life. So her spiritual support 
And her, her very husband, her family support, emotional support was gone. And she was alone with God saying, I've got this issue. My life feels incomplete. There's something that should be happening at this time in my life, in my life, and it's not happening. And maybe there's like one person here who can identify with that. There's something that should be happening in my life at this time in my life, and it's not. For her, it was a baby. What's your baby's name? For her, it was a child. What's your child's name? For me, my child was named V1 Church. And for 17 years, I held that, that dream before it was conceived. And I went through a lot of trials and tribulations and a lot of tests before I got here. And she went through some tests too. And, and she's crying out before God. And now we fast forward. And it's so beautiful. It says this. When Elkanah next took his family on their annual trip to Shiloh to worship God. <laughs> they took this annual trip where every single year she showed up as Hannah, the one who can't have a kid. Hannah, the one whose body is broken. Hannah, the one who nobody understands. Hannah, the one who has no support. Hannah, the one who's got to go through it alone. Is there a Hannah in the room, I ask you right now? Every single year she showed up to Shiloh, but she was now weaning the baby of promise, the very miracle of God in her hand, and something was getting ready to change on her next trip to Shiloh. And some of you guys are headed towards Shiloh right now. Somebody say one more step. See, Shiloh was a place that they went every year to go to the church and to sacrifice. And, they, and in that place, she had a reputation for being infertile. But now she's holding the baby of promise. And I can imagine that Hannah the entire time was like, oh, I can't wait till I get to Shiloh because I'm about to show that God makes good on his promises and the things that he said are yes and amen. And it doesn't matter how impossible it looks to you, but with, all, with God, all things are possible. And she's holding the baby a promise in her hand saying, I'm getting ready to go to Shiloh. But before that, I have a three-year-old named Everly. And she's a chunker. She's got fat rolls. And she's kind of growing out of that baby phase when they're a football shape. And she basically looks like me without a beard, so pray for her future. Seriously. Um, I'm <laughs> she's beautiful. I'm playing. But, but the other day, we were, we were hanging out. We were trying to get some family time in. And all of a sudden, the funniest thing happened. Like, she's got these, you know, she's got preferences, little miniature preferences. She's this big, and she's a whole human this big with her own little ways and ways she thinks. And I'm pretty sure she's going to be this mastermind genius because she has so many preferences. And so Everly, the other day, she's got these little shoes. I, we got a picture. If you can put that, put that up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see that. So she's got these little glitter shoes that are Everly's favorite shoes. But if you don't notice, she's got this, like the fat of her foot just hanging over the rim. Do you see that? The, the little, that's, that's like the baby fat of her foot hanging over the rim of her shoe. And I'm looking at them like Everly. Now, she can't even walk in these things, but she demanded that she wear these shoes. She was like, no, yeah, no, I'm wearing these shoes. And so she's, I'm looking at her. She's like this trying to walk in these shoes, but I know every step is hurting her. But she's so prideful already. She needs Jesus. You know, sometimes even in your own home, you could be the pastor and your own kid. 
No, I'm just kidding. But so she's going like this, walking around. And I'm like, Everly, you got to put on another pair of shoes. She's like, no, I like these shoes. And she's like duking it out, you know. And Julie loves it because she's like, you are a six foot tattooed, bearded, crazy man. And she is not afraid of you one bit. Like it's total David and Goliath status between me and Everly. And all of a sudden I'm like looking at these shoes and I felt like I just saw Hannah and I saw first Samuel and I saw some of you. How many of you know that shoes represent an era of your life? I can go back and look at my shell toe Adidas when I was a hood rat and be like, those are late 90s, Mike Signorelli, and it's south side of Chicago, kicking it deep in the streets with my shell-toed Adidas. <laughs> and you can go back into your life and think about different shoes you used to wear. When I went through my punk rock phase where I had green hair and purple hair and you know all these different hair colors, I, I wore Chuck Taylors. And I used to say I have Chuck Taylors and all the different flavors. We didn't even say colors, we said flavors because we were cool punk rockers. But shoes represent an era of your life and they represent an identity. You can, you know, you've probably seen this thing that was moving online that went viral, but you can like tell somebody who they are by their shoes to a certain extent. And it's kind of funny to do that. And for my three-year-old daughter, this was her identity. Those glitter shoes, that was her and, she, and to the detriment of her ability to make progress, she would not change them. Can I preach to you today? Because some of you are wearing the shoes of another era of your life, and the Lord is saying to you today, you have outgrown them. It's time to change your identity. Some of you in this place got your old church still on. Some of you got your old relationships still on. Some of you got your old way of thinking still on. Can I preach to somebody in this place? Can I just go full crazy and spit and climb the aisles right now? Because it's time to change your shoes. Turn to the person next to you and say, change your shoes. You got a new identity, a new future. And even though it was cute when you were in the club and had those glittery high heels on, the 18-inch heels that you walked in on, guess what? God's got a new identity for you. And see, Hannah had these pair of shoes on. They were a humble pair of shoes. It was the infertile woman who just walks in lowly and God said, get ready, get ready. I'm getting ready to debut a new pair of shoes, a new identity, a new way of thinking, a new way of being. And God's got something new for you. Let me read this because it's so good. We got, we got this next scripture that I love so much. New shoes, new you. New shoes, new you. It's a new era. It's a new day. Sometimes you got to take off the old and take one more step. This is verse 25 and 26. It says this, excuse me, sir. Now she's, now she's at Shiloh. Would you believe that I'm the very woman who was standing before you at this very spot praying to God? I prayed for this child and gave and then God gave him, uh, gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Then and there they worship God. Same spot, different location. Same spot, different location. She turns to Eli, the pastor who really wasn't a good enough pastor to see through her pain. She's looking around in Shiloh and she's saying, it was in this very space that I was that broken woman praying drunken prayers. It was in this very space that I was the woman without kids being ridiculed by the rival wife. 
And now she's standing in this place, and I love the way it's worded in the message version. It says this, I'm the very woman who is standing before you at this very spot praying to God. Can you believe it? Would you believe it? God wants to give you the kind of would you believe it stories. You are a candidate for a would you believe it kind of story. And if you're looking at your gas tank on empty and you're looking at your bank account low and you can't catch a flight to another region, you can't move into another house, you can't go to another school, you can be in the same spot but a different location, says God. You could be a candidate for a would you believe it kind of story. And as I went home last week to go for this conference, I was driving through my neighborhood and I was saying, wow, God, look what you've done. Same spot, different location. Maybe you're not going to move out of Long Island, but you're going to graduate into another location. Maybe you're not going to move out of your house, but you're going to graduate to another location. Is there anyone who's ready to do that with me? And sometimes we actually have to promote ourselves in our own mind. Let me say that again. Sometimes we have to promote ourselves in our own mind. Hannah had this, this, this radical life change, but she had to acknowledge it. And it's a little bit easier when that life change is waking you up in the middle of the night and crying and you've got to feed it, feed it and wean it and you've got to take care of that life change. For her, it was physically represented as a baby. It was a little bit easier to be reminded about what God had done in her life. But sometimes God changes our life and we forget and we've got to promote ourselves in our own mind. Listen to what she says. This is such a great prayer. This is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Hannah prayed, I'm bursting, I'm bursting, I love that, with God news. Not just good news, but I'm bursting with this God news. And look what she says. I'm walking on air. I'm laughing at my rivals. I'm dancing my salvation. Don't judge my dance until you know my past. Because some of the most radical worshipers in this room have come from something. And you're saying, I am bursting out right now. And, and then maybe you're not even there yet, but by faith you're dancing like you're there. Maybe it even hasn't happened in your life, but you are activating your faith and saying, I'm going to praise like it's here. I'm going to worship like it's here. I'm going to believe that God can do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. And I can be a candidate. If God can do it for that person, and I know how messed up they are, do it for this messed up person, God. If you can open the door of opportunity for them, do it for me. Why do you think Hannah's in Scripture? The word testimony literally means do it again. She's there in Scripture and more and say, I am no respecter of persons. If I did it for Hannah, I could do it for you. And sometimes you got to get bold enough to say, God, do it for me too. Come on. Be a living example of God's power in this earth. See, this ain't the thing of religion and tradition. No, nobody want to serve a statue. He didn't come back to immortalize himself in stone. He came to immortalize himself in your spirit. And when you let the Holy Spirit deposit himself inside of your being, you will speak different, talk different, walk different. You'll begin to prophesy a future that is, even though all around you it looks like it's not. And God's getting ready to do it. I, you know what? He don't even need your permission to bless you sometimes. Sometimes he'll bless you even when you don't get it just to say, see, I told you I can do it. Sometimes you're a candidate for an unexpected miracle. Even in your doubt, God will say, let me just slap him upside the head with my goodness so he sees how good of a father I am. 
Man, somebody's getting free. Somebody say, same spot, different location. But wait a second, this is Long Island. Oh yeah, I used to get drunk here. I, this is where I got into that argument with my wife. This is where this happened. This is where I lost my house. This is where uh, this happened to me. This is where I got addicted to this. Same spot, different location. Same spot, different location. Well, wasn't that that person that used to drink like that? Wasn't that person that, that used to argue his wife? I think I saw them making out at that restaurant down the street with this hashtag refresh group. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done every single day. I hear my wife on the phone counseling somebody saying, I didn't think it was possible for my husband to be free from alcoholism. And every single day I live a miracle. Same spot, different location. Because I took one more step, one more step, one more step. It's a series of steps. One more step, one more step. And if you'll get bold enough to take that one step. And here's the thing. It's paralyzing to think about the journey. It's paralyzing. That's where many of you are right now in this room. I can feel it. I literally can feel it. You are paralyzed by the journey. You think ahead about how hard it is and you disqualify yourself. And that's why I love Hannah. It wasn't about how many doctors Hannah could go to. It wasn't about how many psychiatrists Hannah could go to. It wasn't about, even though these things are all great, and I'm not trying to negate those things, but it was one more prayer. It was a drunken, crazy prayer. Just one more prayer changed everything. And if you're like, why is this room getting lifted right now? Because there are some people who prayed that prayer. There are some people who have seen the promise happen. There are some people who have gotten free in this place. And you know what? Same spot. Different location. You could just tell your friends right now. You could text them, I'm moving. Where are you moving? To a different location. I'm moving. Hey, guess what? I'm moving. Where are you moving? To the next level. That's where I'm moving. I'm promoting myself in my mind. I've got a new pair of shoes on. Forget that shell-toed Adidas guy. Forget who I used to be. I have promoted myself in my own mind to what God calls me. How many of you know that you got a heavenly father who loves you? Do you know what he thinks about you? See, when God looked at Hannah, he saw her fertile. When her rival wife looked at her, they saw her infertile. Whose opinion mattered? Yeah. Hannah had to choose. Yeah. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you broken. He doesn't see you depressed. He doesn't see you addicted. Guess whose opinion matters? Is it your friends who saw you fall or your God who's getting ready to watch you rise up? Yeah. Is there somebody in here who's getting ready to rise up? Come on. I'm going to be a battering ram in this message until somebody breaks free. I am going to be a battering ram on that stuff in your life because I'm sick and tired of sons. Your dad is the king of the universe, owns everything you've ever seen. Long Island ain't expensive to him. His streets are paved with gold. And he's your dad. You think he's intimidated by what intimidates us? You think infertility was a problem for God? He's the giver of life. And I'm here to speak into some dead situations and say, come forth, life. Come forth. Come forth. Jesus said, that which you've seen me do, you will do greater. Say greater. You mean greater than Jesus? Yes, because every good leader knows that my success is determined by the success of my successor. So Jesus said, everything you see me do, get ready. You're doing greater. I'm here to bring the greater today. 
I'm here to say to the Valley of Dry Bones here in Long Island, in your life, in your family, in your house, dry bones come to life right now. Rise up and be an exceedingly great army. Accomplish all that you've got, that God's got for you to do. Man, I love this so much. I'm gonna just... I'm just going to spit this for you right now. I got this scripture that's been on my heart. It's such a simple scripture. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Somebody say one more step, and you will find. Say will. It doesn't say you might find it. It says you Okay, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone. Say everyone. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you're an everyone. Turn to that other person to say, you're an everyone. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And what you've witnessed in this service is some some wild people knocking on doors. What you've witnessed in this service is some wild people seeking And God is going to respond, everyone. If you want Jesus, you'll get Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 8 says this. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. See, the life that was welled up inside of Hannah's womb when she was infertile, let me tell you how it happened. I'm going to give you right now. I'm going to give you right now the, the, the theory, the, the, the metaphor. I'm going to give you the, the formula, if you will, for a miracle is when you take a step towards God, just one more step, James 4a says he takes a step towards you. Let me read it again. Come near to God and he will, say will, okay? So we don't, where's God? Did you take a step towards God? Because he will come near to you. So here's what Hannah did. She got into that place in Shiloh and she took a step towards God. And as she did that, God took a step towards her and see where God is. There is a manifestation of all miracles because he is life itself. So we don't necessarily seek God for miracles, but when you seek God's face, his hand is not far from it. And the miracles of God begin to materialize in an atmosphere when you get closer to God. And what she did, whether she realized it or not, is she fulfilled this scripture that we have in James 4, 8. She came near to him and he came near to her. And all of a sudden her womb began to come alive with the ability to produce life because life itself had just infiltrated that room, that space. See, that's why I'm saying it's dangerous when you get some people worshiping. It's dangerous when you get some people crying out the name of God. It's dangerous when you get together because as God infiltrates that environment, The byproduct of his presence is the miraculous. The byproduct of his presence is the miraculous. I just look at her life, Hannah, Samuel, her son that was born out of her brokenness, was a prophet to the nation of Israel. He was given charge over anointing kings and even speaking the word for kings to sit down. There was a tremendous responsibility on Samuel's life. And behind every great man is a great woman. And it was Hannah's prayer that produced a prophet to the nations. See, I don't think that Hannah could have ever calculated the full sum of what her prayer in the middle of her crisis was gonna produce, and neither can you. Would you all stand your feet with me? 
I don't think that Hannah could ever calculate the full sum of what her prayer in a crisis was going to produce. What came out of that time in her life that was so lonely and so scary and so impossible was this baby named Samuel that ended up becoming a prophet to the nation and ended up taking Israel to places that it couldn't have gone without him. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's the prayer that you're going to make in the broken, lonely times of your life that could produce something that literally could change entire regions. Let me tell you, can I tell you my story? Some of you guys know our story. There's a lot of new faces here. Julie and I, when we got married at 22 years old, we knew that there was a call of God on our life. When I was 17 years old, I got a vision to plant a church, to launch a church. And I got ordained into ministry when I was 22 years old. And we started, we were youth pastors and we were at the local church in Indiana where I'm from. And we were just doing the work that God called us to do. And there were many trials, many tribulations. We were backstabbed many times. We were done wrong many times. People who said that they were with us to the end, some of them aren't even believers anymore. They've literally not just left ministry, but left the church, left God. We've seen it all go down. And I'm in this place as we go through this journey. I, my dad dies, and you guys know this story. And, you know, for me, I battled with addiction. I battled with alcoholism, and I'm fighting. And I'm like, I was saved. But see, you know, you could be saved, but not free. See, your spirit can be bound for heaven, but your literal body's bound for hell. You can have bondage in your body. And, and so, yeah, God redeems your spirit, but you're not free. And I was dealing with a level of bondage and I was struggling. And there were times where it looked completely impossible. And, you know, we, we finally pushed through all that one more step, one more step, one more step, one more step. And we finally clawed our way up to the point where we're the number two, the executive pastors in a mega church in northwest Indiana. And God has just restored me back. And I've got this large staff that I oversee and we're reaching people like crazy in the community and we're doing all this work. But in the midst of that, we begin to grow tired and weary from the trials of life. And as we begin to grow weary and tired, just going through it, there's such a tremendous sacrifice that you make to be in ministry. For us, it's never been about the money and we can prove that to you. But... We were in this place where I'm looking at my family and I'm looking at my daughters and I'm saying, God, I can't stand to see them struggle anymore. I, I feel like maybe the price that I pay for ministry is too high a price. Maybe I shouldn't be in ministry anymore. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I'll just be that pastor that clocks in nine to five and then just, you know, exclusively donates my time when I can. And, and, and I start to have this serious conversation with Julie about quitting ministry because I felt infertile. I felt like Hannah. I felt like all my input wasn't equaling the output. It was that ratio was off in life. Is there anyone here who's ever felt like that before? There was no launch team on Long Island. There was no finances for V1. There was only a dream. There was only a dream. There was only a dream. Just barrenness. Just feeling like it was going to be impossible. So we have this conversation before we walk into this conference 
And, and, and we're sitting in the car and Julie's like, no, Mike, no, we can't quit. We can't quit ministry. There's more for us. It's going to happen. And I'm like, man, but it's so crazy. Julie's so impossible. You know, they call Long Island the, the, the graveyard of churches. I, you know, who are we? What are we going to do there of significance? How is this possibly going to work? And I'm just struggling in my own human. Is, is there anyone who's ever struggled like that? And, I, and so we're, I'm just pouring my heart out. I said, Julie, I hate what this does to our family, the sacrifices that we do for ministry. And, and I said, I just feel guilty as a father. I feel like I should give more, provide more, do more. And maybe we just make money. Maybe that should be our new goal. Just make money because, you know, that would be nice. You know, just make money. And, and, and it just shows you the heart of Julie. You know, behind every good man, there's a good woman, Right. And, and Samuel had Hannah, and I feel like in a lot of ways that I've got Julie, because she said, no, I, I believe in the dream that's inside of you. And you know, sometimes all someone needs to hear is somebody to say, I believe the dream inside of you. We walked into that conference, we sat down, we went through a few sessions, and all of a sudden, a guy by the name of John Verican got up. And John Verican began to speak, and he preached this amazing message. And at the end of the message, we had a moment, just like the one that you're in right now, where you're standing on your feet, and the music's beginning to play. And we were in that moment, and, and now, mind you, we've been on a long road. This is over 10 years of pastoring down the line, and feeling like we have a God dream for New York, but we have zero relationships in New York, and we have zero opportunities that are going to feel like it could make this thing possible and all of a sudden he says something John Verican says there's a couple who's in the room right now and you had a conversation before you even got into this room about how you just wanted to quit ministry you had a conversation about how this was the end that there was no more steps to take except for a step out the door and what God wants to tell you right now is it is time for you to go V1. Now, I never heard that before. And of course, the tears are already beginning to form because I'm realizing that, that even in my stupidity, even in my frailty, God is just speaking directly to me through this man. And he said, you're saying maybe it'd be better to make money. Maybe it'd be better to go to get a job. But God has called you to this thing and you're going all the way now. And you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're going to go V1. And as he says it, the curiosity is growing because I'm like, what does V1 mean? And he said, I was in a plane recently, and V1 is the point of no return. As we took off the runway and the plane got enough speed and took off, all of a sudden the pilot said V1. And when he said that, later on the flight, I asked him, what does V1 mean? And he said, it's the decision speed. Because the way that that plane is, is made, it's built, when it gets enough speed up, it has to fly. It's not an option anymore. It's going to fly. It goes v1 and he said there's somebody in this room and if i'm talking to you i want you to squeeze the hand of your wife and julie and i are breaking each other's hands squeezing them so hard it's us god it's us it's time to go v1 and really what god was saying is commit before the miracle Commit before the miracle. See, modern flight's a miracle, but they have to commit to flight before it takes off the runway. That's what it means to go V1. And you've got some situations in your life right now that you have not yet seen God fulfill the promise of what he can do. And what I'm here to tell you is it's time to commit before the miracle. You have to say out of your mouth, V1, 
If the tire blows out, if the engine completely erupts in flames, I am going to go all the way with this thing. Most of the abuse that's occurred in your life has been the result of someone who has said half a yes. But when you say yes completely, everything begins to change. When you look your wife in the eyes and say, yes, all the way I'll be your husband. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. I'll lead you. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll declare scripture over your life. Yes, all the way. Divorce is not an option. I'm going all the way. Your marriage will change. If you will look at your body in the mirror and look your eyes in the mirror and say, yes, I'll go all the way. This is my year. This is my year to do better by my body. Then guess what? When you commit and go V1 and make that decision, you will change. And God often asks us to make that decision before the miracle. Is there anyone in this place who will go V1 today? Is there anyone in this place who will go V1 today? Because if you're not afraid to look it in its eyes and say yes completely, it will change. Will you close your eyes? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's ministry inside of you. Maybe it's your business. Maybe you have said a half-hearted yes to your business and that's the reason why it's failing and it's time to go V1 in your business. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe you've got escape hatches in your marriage and you're saying, well, once we get to a certain altitude, I'll throw this parachute on called my side gig, my side chick, and I'll drop right out of this escape hatch where somebody will respect me more because you think the grass is greener on the other side and it's not greener where you water it. Maybe, maybe it's you need to go V1 in your family. Maybe it is your job, a half-hearted yes, you're there for the paycheck and you're living tortured. I don't know what it is, but God is calling you now to give you the opportunity to say, I will go V1. I will do the very thing that you cannot do for yourself if you will first commit completely. And that's where the freedom is. There's some hurting hearts in the room some of you have been rejected so bad. You're like, how could I ever commit? How could I ever go all the way because of what's happened to me and what they've done to me? I'm here to tell you the cross is enough. You will know the full strength of the cross of Christ when you commit completely. You will know all of what God can do when you surrender all of what you can do. Let me say it again because there's hearts being dealt with in the room. Just while you're in this atmosphere with your eyes closed, I said you will see all of what God can do when you surrender all of what you can do. This is your moment, V1, committing to flight. So with every eye closed, if you're here and you're saying, I want to commit, I want to commit to Jesus. I want to commit to the God of miracles. I want to commit my entire being, everything that I am, everything that I'm not, all of my failures, all my frailty. I want to commit it all completely to God. And I'm ready to say V1 with no one else looking around, just you and God. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, you can put your hands down. Now, right now, in this room, I always want to make an opportunity for people to accept Christ, 
for the very first time. And it's a holy moment when you feel like you've been orphaned and abandoned your entire life and all of a sudden, the reality of God just ruptures the atmosphere. And you say, he's not just the God of Sunday school, whatever church I came from, he's living and breathing right here with me, invading my space. And he's here. Some of you right now, even under the sound of my voice, you're feeling him wrap his arms around you in a tangible way. Forget about the person next to you. This is about you and your maker. He is not distant. He is not far off. He is here right now. And if you're here and you say, I just need to trust my entire heart to him. I need to accept Jesus and make him Lord and master over my entire life and just give him complete and total charge and receive him so that I can partake in this thing we call salvation. Would you just raise your hand? Come on. You can put your hands down. Can everyone just look at me for a second? Now, I just want to let you know that there were so many hands in this place like this saying, I want it. And the Bible says that if you ask, you will receive. Everyone who asks receives. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And when you raise your hand, you were knocking. When you raise your hand, you are seeking and you're getting ready to find. Is there somebody excited about that today? Would you just help me right now? We are going to just say this loud and proud and let the devil hear us and let all our enemies hear us and let our bank account hear us and let everything that's been wrecking us throughout the week hear us. We're going to raise up a triumphant voice, a victorious voice in this room and raise it up loud before God and unashamedly declare we're going V1. Can somebody borrow my words and shout this out with me? Is there anyone here who's already saved who's just going to say, I'm going to pray this with the people who are praying it for the very first time real loud and proud okay you ready so everyone just borrow my words and repeat after me say heavenly father today I say yes completely I commit completely I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready to go v1 to take everything you have for me to be completely free, to be all, say it all, say it all that you have destined me to be. Now say this with me. Say, I cast down every lie that I've received. New shoes, new me. Come on, say it. New shoes, new me. I will. Go V1 in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it out. Amen. Amen. Could you put your hands together in this place? Amen. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. 
Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.